Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sapphire Wire podcast. I'm Lisa Johnston. And I'm Kyle Johnston. And things are really heating up here in Kansas with less than three weeks to go to the election. And tonight we're going to talk about the U.S. Senate race in Kansas as well as the governor's race. And first we'll start with the U.S. Senate race. The final debate that was televised uh, occurred just this evening, and it was very interesting. Uh, I'll start, as I always do, with optics. I thought uh, both Orman and Roberts had some awkward things going on in terms of optics. Orman did a lot of moving around and had a lot of uh, facial expressions that I'm not sure that he would have chosen to have if he'd known he was making them. And then Robert seemed to forget that there was a camera altogether. (laughs) It was kind of bizarre. He was like faced sideways the whole time and he had his notes flipped over the front of the podium Mm -hmm. that had all of the logos of the sponsors on it. It was really kind of awkward. Yeah, it seemed like he was spending a lot of time taking notes uh, to the point where during one of the questions that was directed to him, he was just writing things and didn't seem to realize that he was supposed to answer a question. And so uh, most of the time when Orman was talking, he was kind of hunched over his podium writing writing furiously. And, and like you said, uh, when Roberts was answering his questions, Orman was kind of had these weird facial expressions like he was grimacing or making faces or, you know, I don't think he's rolling his eyes, but it, it wasn't pleasant. But overall, I felt like they both seemed fairly uncomfortable, especially at the very beginning. Yeah. And I think Orman often seemed like he was chomping at the bit throughout when yeah. they showed the cutaway to him and Roberts was speaking. I think he was just, you know, antsy to come back with his response. But uh, I felt like there were two major weaknesses. One for Orman was I felt like he's he comes across as kind of stiff and artificial. I mean, he's very articulate, but to the point that he seems very rehearsed and practiced. And I got a little bit annoyed at times because a lot of the things that he was saying were just, it's just repetition of the lines from all of his commercials. Yeah. So he's just regurgitating that over and over again. Yeah, in fact, the opening remarks, they, in fact, on we watched it on C-SPAN and they played the, all. it seemed like all of their commercials before the debate and then their opening marks were effectively just repeating the talking points from their commercials. So I guess kudos to them for staying on message, but <laughs> poor, poor us as voters trying to learn something new about candidates. Right. With the possible exception of Roberts, I'm not quite sure his commercials have as many talking points about liberal Democrats and Barack <laughs> Obama and yeah. Harry Reid and... Uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody will do a count of how many times he said Harry Reid and secure the border. Uh, <laughs> I think it's he's set a record with this debate and those statements. So he was definitely trying to stay on message. Uh, there wasn't a ton that was new uh, for anyone who's seen the other debates. A lot of the themes were extremely similar. Uh, the first question was kind of odd about... Um, the young people coming across the border. And I thought, I thought Orman gave a really bizarre uh, and almost nonsensical answer to that because he said, we need to go to Central America and talk to the parents. And I thought, okay, I get where you're going, but that seems completely impractical to do that. So take, you know, tens of thousands of kids, probably without ID, find their parents and, and talk to them or send this message out to parents in South America that don't send your kids up here. But then they're not getting sent back because the the system can't handle them anyway, and then they get admitted to the U.S. So uh, it's the system's kind of working for them, and so there's no incentive for them to stop sending people. And then right. I thought, kind of carrying on to that, Roberts, 
uh, didn't seem to understand the question and, and seemed to answer it like, you know, it's Mexicans coming over the border versus uh, South Americans. So he, he seemed a little understood confused. the question, but he was just trying to stay on his secure the border message. <laughs> so he was pivoting, as they say in politics. Yeah, he people. was, yeah. But he was using the question to say what he wanted to say. Um, and when they did a redirect and made him address that, and he kind did of. admit that obviously we can't send all those kids back. So at least he addressed it when he was forced to do so. Uh, they both had like a couple moments where they were nailing each other pretty successfully, I thought. Uh, Orman nailed Roberts on some of his key absences from different mm-hmm. hearings in yeah. Congress. And I thought that was fairly effective to say, hey, you say you want to be a leader, and yet you're not stepping up when you have an opportunity to do that, and you're not attending these hearings, and you're not weighing in and representing your state. Yeah, so I think one of the one of the questions was related to uh, the Ebola outbreak. I think they called it an epidemic, which uh, that's debatable, but... Uh, well, it but is he, in Africa, not so much here yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but he pointed out that Roberts kind of skipped that committee meeting, and he also hit him on, you know, uh, Roberts is big on on farming, obviously, as agriculture is important to Kansas, but he's missed, I think, two-thirds of the agriculture committee meetings, so that suggests maybe he's his talk isn't backed up by his actions. And so I think uh, Orman did a good job of kind of hitting him on those points, and, and Roberts tried to fi- fire back, but didn't really, you know, uh, respond effectively. Right. Now then, Roberts had an interesting moment of his own where he talked about the fact that Orman at one point in time got a $3 million federal grant to start a shrimp farm in Nevada (laughs) and that was like bizarre and so then he was you know prompting him to respond to the fact that (laughs) that wasn't successful or whatever and so Orman kind of danced around that a little bit and said well you know all businesses don't succeed (laughs) uh so I thought you know, for some voters, that probably scored some points for Roberts that he's talking about him getting that kind of uh, taxpayer money and then it kind of going kaplooey. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the fact checkers on that one to see if that's true or if uh, Roberts was spinning that a bit. But yeah. uh, Well, Orman didn't say it wasn't true. So he was obviously uncomfortable. (laughs) So there had to be some truth in it there. (laughs) So that was that was very interesting. And, you know, one of the things that came across, as usual, is that Roberts tries to give very black and white answers, trying to distinguish himself from Orman saying, you know, I'm for this, he's not. I'm Mm -hmm. for this, he's not. You know, very, very black and white. Yeah, he almost seemed uh, leisurely in his responses at some points, like like I, I had to kind of... I checked myself a couple times because it seemed like he just wasn't going to respond. There was like, you know, seconds of silence and then he would kind of uh, amble into his response. Yeah, and then he seemed confused at one point because they always had the same format for the question. They would pose it to one person, (laughs) then another person, and then each would get some rebuttal time. And then in the middle of the debate, he's like, Sir, are we having a rebuttal of the rebuttal of the rebuttal? Like, he'd kind of, I think, gotten lost with how many times they'd gone back and forth on a certain issue. But yeah. uh, it was always question, question, and then rebuttal for each. So I guess he uh, sort of got lost on that. It was um, interesting how he <laughs> was processing everything. 
Now, they did have a moment with an interesting question where they asked each of them to say something nice about the other one. Yeah, so I think that that question came from the moderator, and it was actually actually interesting. So it's just like, you know, take this 30 seconds of time to compliment one another. And uh, the, the responses were, were pretty uh, interesting and amusing. I thought Orman was very classy and genuine in mm-hmm. his response, and he really tried to find something positive you know complimenting his service his military yeah. service and his service to kansas mm-hmm. uh, in elected office and also saying that he'd had good experiences one-on-one with him interpersonally mm-hmm. then roberts on the other hand <laughs> tried to use the opportunity in my view to give you know backhanded compliments and to say something that sounds nice but to you know, really dig at Orman. Yeah, I thought I thought he came off as a jerk. So, like in my notes, I wrote down some stronger language. <laughs> maybe save to keep our explicit warning free. But uh, uh, yeah, he I felt like he came off as a jerk. So he was like, you know, uh, basically, oh, you have nice clothes and you you know built a, amassed a, a great amount of wealth and you have a nice smile. So it was like all these, like you said, kind of backhanded compliments. And I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'd almost call them backhands. It's like probably giving him too much credit to call him a compliment, even a backhanded compliment. But, right. Uh, well, it's something that someone could claim was nice because uh, on the surface, well, on the surface, if you say someone's dressed well, that's yeah, a nice thing maybe, to say. But... Maybe like the Kansas GOP Twitter account would say he was nice, but I don't, I don't think your average viewer would, would say that was a nice, nice compliment. Oh, well, he was clearly <laughs> trying to paint Orman as not a down-to-earth Kansan. I mean, yeah, that was the point the of the comments. Yeah, yeah, he's the rich guy. He's the rich guy. He's got all this wealth, you know. So he was trying to use the opportunity to, you know, single him out in that way yeah. and to, to spin it as a negative without saying it exactly in a negative yeah, way. Yeah, but uh, uh, Roberts probably isn't a shirk on his wealth either. You know, he's, Oh, no. Other than maybe courting his donor, donors, he's probably not out panhandling and <laughs> <laughs> scraping his pennies together. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. So the closing statements, uh, there was a little bit of awkwardness there. I mean, Orman, it was fairly straightforward and kind of his usual. And I thought he did... Um, Obviously, he did a much better job optically than than Roberts, mm-hmm. who almost never looked at the camera. At least Orman <laughs> made eye contact with the camera and and thanked people for watching and asked people for their vote and yeah. had you know some cogent comments there at the end. But Roberts' closing statement was bizarre. <laughs> uh, it just seemed kind of disjointed, and it was clear he was just again trying to hit all the talking points and. He he waited until that moment to bring up something that probably will resonate with some people. The fact that Orman is having a Soros family fundraiser yeah, so there's a, tomorrow, there's $5,000 a, $5, a plate <laughs> yeah. fundraiser. So there's a, kind of a number of multimillionaires who have banded together to kind of throw this fundraiser for him. And of course, Soros, like, he's, like you say, is pretty well-known uh, Democratic fundraiser. So that probably raises questions. And I'm sure that's that's a commercial we're going to see. Uh, probably next week, if not sooner, maybe this, maybe even this weekend. Yeah, they will definitely make use of that Soros mm-hmm. fundraiser for sure. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And it was weird in the closing statement because after he made that point and also noted that Orman got the AFL-CIO endorsement, <laughs> then his closing statement just sort of ended abruptly. Yeah. Was... So no thank you for electing me to, to office for so many years and no asking for you know, for, for a vote, which is uh, kind of a weird thing for a politician to do. Exactly. Now, before we leave the discussion of the debate, I do want to 
highlight what I think might be one of the key moments and really was a gaffe for Orman in my view, mm-hmm. which was the whole question and discussion about abortion. Now, I thought initially he handled it okay and said, I'm a man and I wouldn't want to make a woman's decisions, so on and so forth. But then later on, he said, I think we need to, quote, get past abortion. (laughs) And I was like, wow, when he said that. (laughs) Yeah, I came Um, across as kind of flip and dismissive, which is not good. Yeah, definitely not not in Kansas. There may be other states where you could say that and get away with it a <laughs> yeah. little bit better, but so many Kansans have very passionate views about mm-hmm. that on both sides, and Roberts really took advantage of that opportunity and yeah. told him he was unconscionable yeah. uh, for saying that. So I think that's something that the GOP is also going to make a lot of hay about, and I Absolutely. wouldn't be surprised to see an ad about that. And when I was running, I was always very careful to talk about that in a very measured and delicate way because I too don't want to make people's decisions for them. But I also would say, you know, I understand people have strong feelings on Mm -hmm. this and I respect both sides of the issue and people are entitled to their view and their perspective. But I never would have said something like, we just need to get past abortion. That was like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, That's really going to come back to haunt Orman, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the recent polls have been interesting. Uh, The PPP poll was showing Orman uh, up three points. And then there was a Remington poll, which is a very Republican-leaning poll that showed Roberts up two. Yeah, that that group is associated with the company that basically uh, designs and distributes all the mailers for Republicans across the state. So they they might be a little bit biased. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, their poll showed Roberts up two. So I I do think this is a race that really still could go either way. It's it's definitely a toss up race and it's going to come down to the wire here and it's going to be about how people process this debate and yeah. about turnout yeah and then the i think the, a tea party contingent i don't know if it was like the state tea party like the whole group or just a smaller subset uh finally endorsed roberts so that might bring some of those holdouts back to roberts we'll right see. that would be at least somewhat helpful we'll see how that pans out So, shifting gears now, let's talk a little bit about the governor's race, where the polls are tightening, to say the least, if not starting to lean brown back. Mm -hmm. The PPP poll uh, that came out showed a dead heat, a tie at 42%, and then the Remington poll showed brown back up three points. So, clearly, there's a little bit of a sea change there and a shift in Mm -hmm. the momentum Uh, which may or may not have to do with the uh, Republican Governors Association continuing to hammer away on this character strip club Mm -hmm. issue. And this week there was more controversy uh, as there is a newer version of the ad that came out called Sex, Drugs, and a Politician. Yeah, so, and they... Uh, we're running it on uh, kind of primetime TV, so we looked for it online and couldn't find it, but then finally saw it during Saturday Night Live. So uh, that's not a cheap place to run a TV commercial. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty prominent yeah. placement, yeah. for sure. So they are definitely getting it out there, and, and we did see a lot of kind of feedback on Twitter that people were kind of upset about the ad. So um, whether you like it or not, people notice it, and it's it's sticking with people. Well, and then the troubling thing, in a way, is that 
the the content of the ad, the way they're saying things, it's all technically <laughs> true. Yeah, of course they're spinning. But they have a certain ways that they're presenting it that gives a certain impression. And of course they don't talk about how long ago it was. And then the Davis campaign was completely up in arms and they had this whole Twitter thing going with hashtag pull the ad where they're trying to get people to call Sam Brown back, although it was the Republican Governors Association. So technically it's an independent ad. So Sam Brownback couldn't do anything about it anyway. Um, But one of the things that concerned me a little bit is, well, okay, A, welcome to politics. This is what happens. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you have a skeleton in your closet, somebody's going to find it and use it against you. That's what happens. Okay, so there's that. But then B... They had this whole Twitter campaign with the pull the ad with a litany of people saying, I thought this ad was bad and here's why. And I mean, a certain amount of that is fine. But then I thought they really made a misstep and did something that was very unwise, which is Jill Docking had her own little blurb Mm -hmm. about pull the ad and reminded people that when she formerly ran against Sam Brownback for U.S. Senate, that he waged an attack on her about her religion, and Jill Docking is Jewish, and he used that during the campaign, and I thought, that's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah just raise the issue again. Yeah. Why would you remind people about an attack that someone used against you effectively when... A lot of those same voters still live in the state are going to be voting in this election. I didn't think that that was a a good strategy at all. I wasn't quite sure why why they did that other than they were just trying to get everybody on the bandwagon saying he uses terrible tactics and citing all of these examples. Yeah, but like you say, welcome to politics. That's what it is. I mean, people for a long time have noted how nasty uh, campaigns can get and, and really on the scale of nastiness this isn't that bad i mean the subject matter is a little uh distasteful maybe but <laughs> racy uh, yeah, yeah racy is a good word but but it's not really a, a terrible thing in in the whole scheme of political ads and and the reality is whether they like it or not it's true yeah that's the thing i mean it's factual now they take the position that it's too long ago it's not relevant but it does, you know, for better or worse, create an image of Davis in the minds of voters that I think is not going to be what he wants. And frankly, I think is somewhat responsible for the shift that we've seen in the poll numbers because Davis did have, mm-hmm. you know, a four to five point lead there for a while. And now that has completely eroded. And I do think that this line of questioning him and bringing up this issue is having an impact and people can argue about whether or not they think that should be the case and you can have your opinion on that but the reality is it does create an image in voters minds so you know say what you want about it as an attack it is factual. Yeah. You may not think it's relevant, but I've seen other other campaigns where they're saying things that aren't even true. At yeah. least this, you know, has some truth to it. Yeah, and the the other factor that may be uh, affecting the the point spread here is that um, even in the most recent polls, there's a a pretty high number of people who just don't know who Davis is, mm-hmm. and if this ad is their first introduction to him. 
um, that's going to kind of cement their opinions in a negative way pretty quickly. Well, right. And he has been running pretty consistently as the I'm not brown back yeah, candidate. exactly. Rather than being a strong voice for certain things. Yeah. I mean, he has taken some positions, but I do think he's tried to benefit from the, this guy is terrible and I'm not him. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, the one thing that I was disappointed in was that, you know, when when you're attacked in that way as a character attack, then you've got to come back on the same playing field, mm-hmm. which I don't feel that, that they've done. And no. maybe either they didn't get the opposition research that would allow them to do that or they just didn't want to do that because they wanted to rise above or whatever. But the reality is you've got to fight fire with fire. And if you don't, then you're going to be on the losing end of the argument usually. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that stuff Brownback has in his past. You would think, you know, running a U.S. Senate campaign, getting involved in a presidential campaign, which he finally uh, retired this week. Um, some of this stuff would have come out in the past, so there may not be much to dig up, but he can still hit Brownback on his record, which sure. people are actually upset about, and and that's something you can, can really dig into and burn them on, but they, you know, they're running some ads, but we haven't seen probably as many uh, Davis ads. Well, as, and as I wonder, I wonder if they don't have funds in reserve to do a brand new response ad because they may have sunk all their money into their early ads and their media placements and they may not have, you know, funding now to do anything in response to the whole sex drugs and a politician. Yeah, thing. exactly. And, and I think the, the Republican Governors Association, like you said, is funding these ads to probably the tune of two to three million dollars. And mm-hmm. so that's not coming out of Brownback's campaign. That's coming out of a national organization. So right. It's exactly. not, not costing Brownback anything. So that race will be extremely interesting. It's certainly in the toss up category, could go either way Absolutely. and will definitely come down to turnout. Uh, now, one of the interesting things before we wrap it up today that I wanted to mention in these polls, they sometimes ask just weird random questions that aren't about the political landscape or the candidates or anything. Sometimes they ask about, well, you know, who's your favorite baseball team? Mm-hmm. But one of the polls asks people, which news organization do you trust and watch, you know, for your news regularly? Mm-hmm. And I was troubled to say the least to find that the results showed 36 percent of kansans rely upon fox news for their news yeah that is scary okay and for those of you who don't understand why let me tell you why fox news when uh, fact-checking organizations look at their reporting fox news routinely scores terribly in terms of actually reporting news in a factual way. In fact, I saw there was some of their reporting that it was 90 some percent wrong. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the programming on Fox News is really opinion slash Mm -hmm. entertainment programming. It's not straight news. And it's really disappointing and frightening to me that so many people watch it and think that they're getting the straight talk and the straight truth Mm -hmm. out of these shows and they're really not and it's really i think it's damaging for people's understanding of what's going on in the country yeah exactly and one of the things that i saw recently that kind of connects with this is i saw an interview at a coffee shop in iowa with some people who had just advanced voted 
and um, they were asking them, oh, okay, who'd you vote for? And this one gentleman said, well, I voted for the Republicans this time. And the interviewer said, okay, well, tell me why you did that. And he said, well, it's because I don't like Harry Reid. <laughs> and so he says, okay, well, what is it about Harry Reid that you don't like? And so he said, well, Harry Reid is, you know, preventing anything from coming to a vote in the Senate, which is one of the big talking points. It's something that Roberts says. Absolutely. It's something that all the Republican candidates say. It's something that gets repeated over and over on Fox News. And, you know, there's no doubt Harry Reid has his shortcomings and issues, <laughs> yeah. and there have been votes he has definitely blocked. However, more of the time, statistically, Republican filibusters have been mm -hmm. responsible for gridlock and preventing things from going forward. Yeah. And so the interviewer said, well, but actually most or a lot of the time things don't get voted on because of Republican filibusters and asked these people what they thought about the filibuster. And it was clear from the looks on their faces they didn't know what the guy was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of directed it at this one lady who said, well, I think it's kind of a waste of time and money a lot of the times. And she seemed to be fishing around and wasn't quite sure. And then he directed it back to the guy who was originally talking about it. And he's like, well, what filibuster are you talking about? So it was pretty clear that they, they weren't aware of that aspect of it. They didn't know that, A probably exactly what the filibuster is although mm -hmm. i'm not going to fault them too much on that because yeah. that's a procedural detail and yeah. unless you're a real politico a lot of people don't understand that but they weren't aware of the general principle that republicans have been just as much involved in the gridlock and the mm -hmm. blocking of things being voted on as the democrats yeah. and you can you flip that script and talk about john boehner in the house refusing to let things go to a vote that would have passed on a bipartisan basis simply because he was pushing his own ideological agenda. So, you know, that isn't the province of one party or the other. That's happening across the board in Washington. Which probably speaks to their overall popularity rating, which we've discussed in the past. It's pretty much bottom of the barrel. Like, nobody likes them, but yet we'll probably see most of them get reelected and see more of the same in the years ahead. Well, and you know what I'm wondering, and I think the, the Kansas election is going to be a bellwether for this. Is it, you know, an example of the evil you know mm -hmm. is better than, yeah. you know, going with the unknown? And yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to reign true for this election. And yeah, and even, even we've talked about on previous episodes, we're not really excited about any of the, or many of the candidates we have to vote for. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the lesser of two evils. The one candidate I'm excited about is Don McGuire, who is our candidate for Kansas House. <laughs> yeah, our, our local uh, House representative. Yeah, I, but we know him personally, so yeah. that's a little bit different situation. So I'm excited about him <laughs> if he listens to this. But um, beyond that, I, I have to say I'm just really not super thrilled with any of the choices this year. I don't feel excited or geared up about voting for anyone particularly obviously i am going to vote because that's very important yep. and everyone should vote uh but you know it's it's hard and i i think we've said this before i think it contributes to apathy when people don't feel that they have inspiring or exciting choices to vote for and uh even though i didn't like the way roberts went after orman about his wealth there's a part of me that 
is disappointed that, you know, the one time that we mm-hmm. have an option to possibly have someone who's just not a Republican, yeah. it's just another rich guy. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, and not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but, you know, I've talked about the importance of public financing and have written a piece in the Kansas City Star. It would be nice if we could have more people who aren't necessarily rich, but who are you know, great thinkers and could be great leaders yeah. and good for the state and the country in those kinds of positions. And in order to have that happen, they either have to win the lottery or we have to get some kind of public financing system in yeah. place. And that's a whole other episode. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> so that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I'm assuming we might have some links to post. Yeah, as always, we'll post uh, uh, any uh, content that we have on sapphirewire.com. So as soon as the video of the the debate is posted, we'll link that up. And uh, you can always find the podcast on sapphirewire.com. Okay, talk to you all next week. Until next time.